Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode two of The Shakedown, the NASCAR podcast that breaks boundaries and stirs up controversy. And thank you for being here on this Friday. It is the end of the month, if you could if you could friggin' believe it. Uh, it's crazy how fast this year has gone. And, I mean, it's good. It's a good thing. We're getting it over with, right? Uh, but still, we are in a crazy world, but... But the one thing coming out of this year is the Shakedown Podcast. This is the year the Shakedown Podcast is becomes a thing. So there's a positive right there. Yay. But we have a lot to discuss today. We have a race on Sunday at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. It's been it's re- been like nine, ten days since we've had a since we have we've had racing. I mean, we were so used to guys and races every single week, you know, twice a week, double headers on the weekend. We finally give these guys and these teams a break. Before getting back into the action, the final push for the playoffs, uh, we will talk about the playoff bubble and some of the biggest storylines, some of the implications that uh, good runs and bad runs can have on certain drivers, which drivers need to perform the best this weekend. So we will touch upon that later on in this episode, but I do want to touch upon a couple things, not necessarily in the world of NASCAR, but in other disciplines of racing. Uh, This is a NASCAR podcast, but... We are all motorsports fans. We will all talk about uh, what's going on in motorsports, if it is worth the debate. And there are a couple things that I do want to discuss that could have substantial meaning for these other disciplines of racing if everything plays out like it should. But before we go any further, allow me to introduce myself once again. I am your host, the man behind the mic, (laughs) Mike Bachman. Yes, that is me. So let's get right into the action. I'm going to stop rambling because you guys didn't come to this podcast just to hear me talk about some nonsense. So let's jump into the action. Wherever you are, however you may be listening, why don't you sit back, relax, crack open a cold one, whatever you got. Let's get right into the action. You're ready to have fun. You guys ready to have fun? Let's do this. So seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson finally had his highly anticipated IndyCar test this past Tuesday at the Indianapolis Road Course. He tested with Chip Ganassi. This test was supposed to occur earlier on in July, but obviously with Jimmy Johnson contracted COVID-19 and then having to miss the race at the Brickyard and just all of those complications, we had to they had to reschedule the test. So the test happened this past Tuesday. And Jimmy Johnson has been vocal about his desire to run IndyCar. Remember, he is just stepping away from full-time Cup Series racing. He does want to run in other disciplines, and he finally had this test with Chip Ganassi. Scott Dixon, five-time IndyCar champion, was also present, kind of served as Jimmy Johnson's driving coach, uh, providing him with information, with notes on how to navigate the track and how to wheel that IndyCar. So, if there's anybody that Jimmy Johnson wanted to get coached from, it's Scott Dixon. Scott Dixon, I believe, won the first three races of the IndyCar season this year. So he's the guy, and he was on site providing Johnson with uh, notes and also key pointers navigating the Indianapolis road course. Jimmy Johnson was active on social media pretty much the entire day, was sharing pits and pieces of his experience. Uh, we got some footage of him of him driving. We got some footage of him conversating with Scott Dixon, that exchange and what they were talking about. Um, but 
otherwise, for the most part, it was it was a pretty quiet day at the track. And this has some substantial meaning down the road if Jimmy Johnson one day is, in fact, running an IndyCar. He has expressed his, de his desire to run on the road courses, possibly even running a full road course schedule in the future. But Jimmy Johnson has also been open to the idea, and this is fairly recent, of running the Indy 500. When he was first discussing his desire to run an IndyCar, he did not want to run the ovals just because it's a elevated risk factor with injury and you know these cars going 200 220 miles an hour around an oval uh god forbid i mean these cars are technology machines and they're extremely safe but indycar this year added a new aero screen in the cockpit it's enhanced driver cockpit protection um it consists of a ballistic canopy like windscreen anchored by titanium framework that encompasses the cockpit and i'm reading this all off of indycar's website and it is now mandated by IndyCar for use by all teams on all tracks. So this includes road courses and street circuits as well, not just ovals. But it has an enhanced driver protection. And even just going through the test, the ballistic test they did, um, they said it could withstand 34,000 pounds, which is equivalent to like a Chevy Silverado. And they also shot a three-pound piece at three different speeds, 140 miles an hour, 180 miles an hour, and 220 miles an hour. And I mean, shit, I was watching the videos and it was uh, it was crazy watching this little tiny pellet just ricochet off of this off of this aero screen. And it did it did the job. It protected the drivers. So new added safety definitely has softened the idea of running in Indy 500. I mean, Jimmy Johnson, and I've said it many times on this podcast already, just in two episodes, so you obviously know how I feel about this guy. Jimmy Johnson, the greatest of all time in NASCAR history. Could he possibly run arguably the probably the greatest spectacle in American motorsports in the in the future? It could be a possibility. He's open to the idea. And running this test in IndyCar with Chip Ganassi, that's top-tier IndyCar equipment, um, we could be in for something special down the road. And, you know, I would love to see Jimmy Johnson run an Indy car in the near future, whether it be the Indy 500, whether it be, you know, a couple of races on a road courses. Fact of the matter is I would love to see Jimmy Johnson run an Indy car. And I think a lot of other people would too. I think this could be a great thing for the sport of Indy car, having the greatest driver from our generation of NASCAR hop into an Indy car and, you know, possibly with a very good team with the possibility of, running well i mean this these are all hypotheticals jimmy johnson ran a couple laps at the indianapolis road course and did decently well from the footage that i watched it was just it, it was hard to tell you know i wasn't physically there obviously um but still first time in an indy car having scott dixon as your coach uh, definitely going to point you in the right direction but to have the greatest driver of our generation i mean run in IndyCar would be huge for the sport. It can draw so many more fans from NASCAR. Just the fact that Jimmy Johnson is going to be continuing to race. I mean, Jimmy Johnson fans around the around the country, I think, will would just love to see Jimmy Johnson continuing to compete. That's why this IndyCar test could have substantial impact behind it. That's why in my last episode earlier in the week, uh, when I laid out my dream roster for the superstar racing experience that I had Jimmy Johnson on that list because, you know, short track racing with the best of the best from all disciplines of racing, you know, to see Jimmy Johnson continue to compete is what all Jimmy Johnson fans want. And I think it could be a great opportunity for IndyCar to 
now bring in some of those NASCAR fans that have been watching for 20 years, the length of Jimmy John, the entire length of Jimmy Johnson's career, which is a decent chunk. I think that could be huge for the sport of IndyCar in trying to mold both, not necessarily mold both sports together, but just bring them closer together, right? We saw the first doubleheader this year with everything with the schedules with COVID-19. That's something that both sports have been trying to do for a little while now. So these opportunities could be great to dive into these new markets, um, which could have its benefits for both sides. But the last time that we saw a NASCAR driver in an IndyCar, I believe was Kurt Busch in 2014. I know Danica Patrick was in there, but unfortunately her NASCAR career is something that I think a lot of people want to forget, unfortunately. Uh, but Kurt Busch was the last to run double duty in 2014, ran the Indy 500 and then ran the Coke 600. Jimmy Johnson obviously not going to be doing double duty because he's retiring from full-time NASCAR racing at the end of the season. But Tony Stewart did it a couple times. Robbie Gordon did it, I think, upwards of five times. So to have another NASCAR driver be interested in IndyCar um, and with Jimmy Johnson now, every time he's near that environment, it just seems like he gets more and more excited to get into one of these cars. Um, you know, it's going to be big. And like I said, it could be a great opportunity for both sports to dive into new markets and expand their fan base just with the love of American motorsports. But completing this test with Chip Ganassi Racing, it's not the only team or camp that's interested in Jimmy Johnson. Remember, uh, Jimmy Johnson was supposed to have an initial test with McLaren early on in the year, but obviously the COVID-19 pandemic had other plans, so that was rescheduled. It was then, as I said, supposed to run July 8th. COVID-19 also had other plans because it plagued Jimmy Johnson, um, and so now we finally got it. But McLaren is still interested in Jimmy Johnson. There's uh, talks about having another test with Arrow McLaren SP later this year. They do remain interested in Jimmy Johnson to get on a road course or street circuit in 2021. Um, so things are now starting to really gain traction. We, we, were all, we were all waiting for Jimmy Johnson to, to just get into the IndyCar. Now it finally happened, and you are definitely going to see a lot more talk about this. But I think it's a great opportunity for both sports, as I've continued to say, Especially if Jimmy Johnson's in top tier equipment, you know, it's all going to be relative depend, depending on how he ran. He ran just a couple laps this test. But, you know, if this is something that he is serious, has serious consideration and something that he really, really wants to do. If he gets in top tier equipment, I mean, you know, the narrative could unfold however, however it does. Um, but still big, big news for IndyCar. Um, again, just this trying to merge both sports together in some capacity uh, could be great. So highly anticipated, finally happened. Great to see him out on the track. And hopefully uh, now his mind is headed towards the weekend because he he's got a playoffs that he has to secure himself in. So uh, time to get time to get your head back on back on a NASCAR, Jimmy. Uh, we need you, man. It's time. <laughs> but that was the news coming out of IndyCar. Um, we got some more we got some more news out of the Superstar Racing Experience, too. We're going to be talking about this a lot. I'm super stoked for this, as I've mentioned before. Um, so let's get into it. Uh, we got some news coming out of this front. So the Superstar Racing Experience unveiled a sneak peek of the front end of the car, and we actually got three different renderings of it. Um, maybe that wasn't initially planned by Ray Emberham and, and the company, but we got three. 
Uh, before we uh, give you my reaction and thoughts on the car, I just want to uh, point out another bit of news that came out of this series this week. Paul Tracy is now on the roster, becoming the third driver for the series with Tony Kanaan and Tony Stewart. He's the 2003 kart champion, and he was involved in one of the biggest controversies in Indy 500 history with the 2002 Indy 500, the finish between him and Helio Castroneves. But Paul Tracy is officially on the roster. He was on my dream roster, so it's great to see him uh, getting back into a car. So that will be very, very cool, very exciting. Uh, we're getting more of these driver announcements. Now we'll talk about the so the car, what it's looking like. Uh, we got a sneak peek, and as I said, three different renderings. So the first one definitely caught a lot of people off guard. Um, when we first saw this, and I was just re going through Twitter, seeing what people were saying, uh, everyone was up in arms because of the damn splitter on the front of the car. Huge splitter. Uh, the front end definitely resembles that of the next-gen uh, super late model. I mean, I think it's badass, if you want my just first opinion on it. Uh, standard grill. We do see a couple things, though. We see Goodyear Tire. Tony Stewart was open to the idea of working with other tire companies. On this rendering, it's a Goodyear Tire, so I think we can assume that Goodyear is going to be the official tire of the Superstar Racing Experience. There is also one lug nut on the car. So, is Ray Anverham talking to people at NASCAR, trying to maybe keep the cars a certain way because NASCAR is going to a single lug for the next-gen car in 2022. So is there a connection there? Is the information being relayed to Ray Evernham on how to make these cars similar to what NASCAR is doing? Maybe. But I think a lot of people, I think this kind of flew over a lot of people's heads because when NASCAR was going to the single lug, everyone was up in arms. Everyone was whining about it. And then when this came out, Everything that I saw, I mean, people weren't really talking about the single lug, which is interesting. Um, I think a lot of people were focused on the actual look of the car. A lot of people want it to look stock. You know, they want it a certain way. And then when they saw this giant-ass splitter, I mean, people went up in arms about it. They were like, get rid of the splitter. This not supposed to be aerodynamic. You know, these We don't want single car trains. Like, dude, we're running on short tracks. Come on now. Just calm down, all right? If there's anybody that I want to trust in this process, it's friggin' Ray Evernham, okay? He's a genius under the hood. So why don't you just pump the brakes and just let things play out like they did. But, hey, fans got what they want because Ray Evernham uh, removed the splitter. He also did implement, and this is an awesome marketing tactic. This is where my advertising degree comes into play. Uh, the grill, the second rendering, the grill is shaped in an X. Ha-ha, <laughs> how about that? The Superstar Racing Experience, and you have a giant X right there on the front. That's a cool little touch there. Um, I mean, I think the car looks badass. Again, that's just a rendering, and this is just the first look. It's hard to tell, but just from what we saw, I mean, I like the splitter. I think the splitter looks really, really cool. And we've seen with these new Super Late Model designs, they have this fat splitter on the car. So I don't know what people were whining about, but I mean... I'm not a mechanic. I don't know. I watch motorsports. I don't work on cars for a living, okay? That is why I have full faith that Ray Emmerham is going to do what he feels is right to make this series as competitive and as exciting as possible. But uh, I do want to scroll through because Ray Evernham did respond to a fan discussing the intent behind the splitter. And Ray Evernham actually said, it's not a splitter. 
It is a brace for the lower nose, just like we used to run on the old Luminas. We will cut it flush, especially at the dirt track. Everything you see of this car will be about styling. Anything that looks aerodynamic will not be effective. So there you go. That's from the boss. Ray Evernham, you know, wants it to be about styling. The aerodynamic factor, that's what a lot of people were talking about with these cars because it's going to be a very competitive, every car uh, set up the same way. Um, aerodynamics not really going to come into play, especially at these short tracks. So I think people just need to take all this information with open arms because it's a brand new series. I think people should be super stoked about it because short track racing doesn't get the recognition that it deserves. And as NASCAR fans, we've been calling for more short tracks for years. I couldn't tell you the last time a new short track was introduced to the sport, but a lot of people were calling for Nashville Fairgrounds. Obviously, some logistics still not working out there, but we get a mile and a half at Nashville Super Speedway, which can hopefully open the door to run at Nashville Fairgrounds. But we want more short tracks. It's no question that the best race on the NASCAR schedule is Bristol Motor Speedway. So to have this series dedicated to short tracks, um, hopefully we'll bring that to light finally, and then we can then implement more short tracks on the NASCAR schedule. But I think people just need to pump your brakes. It's great to have your opinions on this, um, but still, uh, to get so bent out of shape for one rendering, I mean, credit to Ray Evernham and this, and this series for encouraging the input from the fans. Uh, I just hope that this doesn't become a series that is dictated by what people are discussing on Twitter. Obviously, it's not going to get that far. Ray Evernham's not an idiot. As I said, he's a genius. Um, and he's going to do what he believes is best to release a top-tier product. Um, so I have full confidence. I like the design of the car. It definitely is new school, but has some vintage elements to it. Again, I'm not a automotive expert um, as in terms of the aerodynamics or what that does for the car. I just watch the sport. I should probably do some, do some homework on that, right? But still, we got a first look at the car. Paul Tracy being announced, we're starting to get more information on this series and starting to mold itself into what it is becoming. So great to see. Looking forward to providing more updates. We are going to stay on this uh, until the series starts next summer. All right, let's back out of the throttle real quick and check out some stories from outside the world of NASCAR. We'll start with the NFL. We had some drama coming out of the NFL this week. Uh, the top 100 players voted by the players came out this week, and players voted that Lamar Jackson, MVP of last season, is the number one player in 2020. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is number four. Now, Lamar Jackson, yes, was the MVP of the league last year, best player, um, one hell of a year for that young man, but Patrick Mahomes walking around with about a 200-pound wallet in his front pocket Deserves the credit of number one player for 2020, in my opinion. Um, he is the best quarterback, best player in the league by a mile. Um, you could argue that guys like Aaron Donald uh, on the defensive side of the ball deserve that credit. But Patrick Mahomes, man, what he's done in his first two years of his career. I mean, he could retire right now and be in the Hall of Fame, probably. He's got those numbers. Super Bowl MVP, regular season MVP, 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards. I mean, he's got all – He's he broke records. And now getting that massive, massive deal, 
um, deserves the credit of being the number one player voted by the... I mean, this was voted by the players. I mean, yes, you vote the MVP, the number one player for, for the following year, but Patrick Mahomes gets injured, misses a decent amount of games, comes back and leads the Chiefs to a Super Bowl win. Uh, I mean, just seems kind of disrespectful for this guy. But Lamar Jackson, you know, there's no denying his amazing season last year, worth an MVP for sure. It'll, we'll see how he does in his second full-time year as a starter. But Patrick Mahomes, man, he's the third best quarterback. Russell Wilson actually beat him out. And, you know, a lot of people talk about the disrespect that Russell Wilson gets. He's number two on this list. Um, just It was just interesting seeing how that list came out. So uh, that was the big news coming out of the NFL this week, which really, in the grand scheme of things, was not big at all. Uh, but anyway... The NBA, the NHL, they are officially back. And the MLB, man, Joe Kelly, pitcher for the L.A. Dodgers, suspended after targeting Alex Bregman and taunting Carlos Correa. He was suspended eight games. Now, Joe Kelly, who wasn't on the 2017 Dodgers team when they lost the World Series to the cheating Astros, uh, Joe Kelly expressed his displeasure with the players when he targeted Alex Bregman he threw about a 96-mile-an-hour fastball to his head, missed him, uh, and then struck out Carlos Correa after and was mocking him as he was leaving the mound. So Kelly getting an eight-game suspension, and people went berserk afterwards. They were, again, up in arms, as I like to say. This was obviously retaliation for the Astros cheating scandal in 2017. Um, and again, as I said, Joe Kelly was not on that Dodgers team in 2017 he was pitching for the Red Sox but an eight game suspension in a 60 game season according to Ken Rosenthal is the equivalent of a 22 game suspension in a 162 game season I mean that seems as Ken Rosenthal said harsh and I couldn't agree more I mean what do you expect we joke about the over under for how many Astros batters are going to get hit by pitches this year um, but I mean what do you expect I mean, Joe Kelly, yes, wasn't on the team, but still um, expressing his displeasure with, I mean, if I was any baseball player, it uh, doesn't matter if I was in the World Series with the Astros in the playoffs, just playing them in the regular regular season. At the end of the day, um, you know, this was one of the biggest scandals in MLB history, and the Astros are, are going to pay the price for it. Should they be suspending players? I mean, 22-game suspension, realistically is is I mean it's not 22 games but when you put it all together in a 162 game season yes it is harsh and it seems like a lot and a lot of people are calling for Joe Kelly to be free and it'll be interesting to see once he returns to the mound again what what that's going to look like so that's the news outside of the world of NASCAR let's uh let's get back into it so we have a cup race this weekend at New Hampshire Motor Speedway for the running of the Foxwoods Resort Casino 301. And the lineup was set earlier in the week uh, by a random draw. And you could probably guess who got the poll because he seems to be up front every friggin' time. It's Eric Almarola. Gets his third poll by random draw and hasn't started worse than sixth since being in the top 12 in points. I mean, this is the problem with the random draw. You know, you have Eric Almarola, who at this rate, if it is as random as it is, should 
play the the Mega Millions because he's been the luckiest guy, probably has the Golden Horseshoe uh, out of anybody in the Cup Series. And then you have like the same deal. I'm going to bring in Jimmy Johnson in this conversation once again because for the past, I think it's I think it's the past four weeks he has drawn 20th place. I mean, come on, is that by chance? Uh, is it not? Is there something else there? I mean, who knows? We could speculate on it, but it's just crap. Because guys like Jimmy Johnson, like Matt DiBenedetto, who I, who's starting 19th, William Byron, they're all starting uh, from the, I think from 15th on back. They these are the guys that need the points the most. And you know, we talked about on last episode, we expect the guys top 12 in points to qualify up front, and that's who we expect to be challenging for the pole. But a guy like Jimmy Johnson, who has brought great speed to these tracks who could probably lay down a very quick qualifying lap to get him into the top 10. Uh, starting 20th every every week, just by chance, he's drawn 20th every single friggin' week. I mean, it could be worse. He could be drawn 24th every week. But, I mean, that's the problem with this. It's just now we're at a point where these points are so valuable. And, yes, performance earlier on in the season, uh, you know, should should have been better for these guys like Jimmy Johnson, Eric Jones, William Byron. Um, now they're just dealing with the unfairness of a draw, but that's just how it is. So if you look at it like that, but it just seems crazy uh, that we have the same narrative every single week, the same guys getting the pole up there in the top three. Uh, I mean, even Ryan Blaney seems like he draws 12th every friggin' every week. So I don't know what it is. I wish they would come up with a better system. Uh, you know, I have been an advocate of inverting the field and just scrapping everything. So however the drivers finish, as they did earlier on when they first returned from the pandemic, however the drivers finish, that is how the lineup is set the following week. So that way, if you have guys that are finishing in the top 15, you know, maybe guys like William Byron or other guys that are on the playoff bubble, then they start up front and have them cha- have it be a challenge between them and have the guys who have proven themselves winning to drive up through the field. I think that would just be more exciting for the fans uh, to see and would just add that competition factor for sure. But again, you have these guys starting mid-pack that need the points. You know, Can they drive up through the field? Well, it'll be interesting because New Hampshire, unfortunately, is a track that is very difficult to pass. And that is a common theme with a lot of these tracks and the various aero packages that they have run. I believe... They are running the short track road course package here at New Hampshire, which I don't want to say is the same one at Phoenix. But if it is, you know, the new short track package that they introduced at Phoenix, which we will see for the championship race, was stellar. It was fantastic. So hopefully that we can get some closer racing and it's not your typical New Hampshire race where it's hard to pass uh, and track position means everything. But Eric Almarola on the pole. Denny Hamlin will start to his outside and... I mean, track position is probably going to mean a lot, as it does every week. Uh, They are going to be laying down some traction compound, that PJ1 on the turn. So that should help a little bit with the grip level. But just looking at last race, uh, last year, a lot of blown tires, a lot of guys having tire issues. So we'll have to monitor uh, the tire wear and what that is going to look like throughout the race. Um, It's going to be a race that comes down to strategy. I mean, last year was a shootout. Between Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin, which kind of, you know, prefaced the whole narrative of this year being the the, the Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick show. Uh, but it was an uneventful race last year that 
had a great finish, and that does seem to be the narrative of this year. I mean, Kentucky had that fantastic finish. Texas had a pretty eventful finish for uh, a pretty typical Texas race. So hopefully, if this is one of those typical New Hampshire races, it comes down to that late race caution or that late race shootout between whoever it is. Uh, but my ones to watch here for this week, I mean, it has to be Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin. Uh, more importantly, Kevin Harvick, he's won three out of the last five races at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Um, so Kevin Harvick has really been dominating at this track. Uh, but Denny Hamlin, too, is right up there. And, you know, starting starting on the outside of the front row, being up there in track position with Cadet will definitely help him. Uh, look at Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney, who I think deserves the credit of being up there in the conversation with Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin. He doesn't have the wins or points to show for it, but Ryan Blaney has been arguably been the strongest driver at Penske week in and week out, despite how he's finished, but just how that team is run, uh, you know, they deserve more credit. And they put themselves in good position, but unfortunately, whether it be pit strategy calls, whether it be mistakes on the racetrack, you know, those things just have to get refined, and Ryan Blaney would be in that conversation. But he's got three straight top 10 finishes at the track. Um, looking for another win. He definitely could use it because when those playoffs start, he's going to have that disadvantage with the amount of points that Harvick and Hamlin have. So he's going to have to run up there, get those stage points, uh, and also be there at the end when it counts. So I look at Ryan Blaney. Uh, bubble drivers. I look at Eric Jones, who has put together some decent finishes, still outside the playoff bubble, going to need as many points as he can get this upcoming Sunday. He finished third here last year. And Joe Gibbs has been strong here uh, over the course of the past couple of races. He's looking for another big points day. He's going to need one if he wants to have a a better cushion um, or just being closer to that top 16. He's currently 18th. I believe he's about 14 points outside of the cutoff line. So Eric Jones going to need another, another big points day for sure. Uh, Matt Benedetto is another one. He has... Had two bad finishes. He's been caught up in wrecks the past two weeks. So he is now closer to the playoff bubble than he has been for most of the season. He runs well at New Hampshire. He finished fifth here last year. He's starting 19th. He's going to have to work his way up through the field. Maybe some strategy to get him up there in the top 10. But Matt Benedetto, another driver that's going to have to capitalize on stage points. And another driver who hasn't raced here much, but from what he has, has shown his worth and that he can navigate around this track. So he's another one that I look at. And just a guy who is not going to make the play. I mean, could make the play. I guess anyone can make the playoffs technically, but um, who deserves to be looked at for this week for a strong run is Ryan Newman. Ryan Newman, I feel like, always runs well at this track, whether it be top 15, top 10. Last year had a solid top 10. I think the year before that, he even had a solid top 10. But in Roush equipment, running top 10 in this race last year, uh, definitely was something to look at, but it's one of his best tracks. I mean, he has an average finish of 13th throughout his career, and Ryan Newman needs a top 10 run. I mean, it's been a one one crazy season for him. I mean, with the Daytona 500 and that craziness, uh, the uncertainty behind that, and then coming back to the car and just racing. I mean, even after that, the courage and bravery and respect that I have for Ryan Newman is uh, is 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 definitely high. So I'm I'm pulling for Ryan Newman because I know that he has that this is a very good track for him, 
And I hope that he's able to put together a solid run because 2020 has been a down year for that team, especially after last year, shocking everybody making the playoffs and almost making it out of the round of round of 16 into the round of 12 for that matter. Um, It just goes to show what veteran presence does for your race team. And that's what I was talking about on my on episode one with Hendrick Motorsports, how they could be on a path to molding themselves into Roush Fenway Racing. Uh, if Brad Keselowski is the guy to bring that veteran presence to Hendrick Motorsports, because I don't believe that Chase Elliott, William Byron, Alex Bowman, especially Chase Elliott, who, yes, has been strong and has improved every year. I mean, this year has been been a different story uh, just compared to what he's done the past couple of years. But he's not ready to lead that organization, unfortunately. Um, all you Chase Elliott fans probably hate me, but that's just how it is. They need a veteran on that team if they want to still remain competitive. Um, so Ryan Newman bringing that veteran presence to Roush Fenway last year definitely helped this year. You know, the narrative's different, but would love to see Ryan Newman get a top 10 and just have a, just have a solid run, uh, especially after everything that has happened and what he has gone through this year. But my pick to win this race is Martin Truex Jr., He is a top 10 in the last five races at New Hampshire, and he has led the most laps at the track without securing a win. I think he's going to break through, get that win this weekend, and Martin Truex Jr. will secure his second win of the season. Should be a good race. You know, it's going to have major implications for the playoffs. We'll see, again, if tire wear is as big of an issue as it was last year, if the PJ1 helps out. In terms of tire tire grip and allowing guys to run up top or run on the bottom and try and make those passes, uh, we'll see how it transpires. But that race is on Sunday, uh, August 2nd at 3 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. So Eric Almirola will be leading the field to green. Martin Truex Jr., hopefully by my prediction, will be leading them to the checkered flag. All right, that's going to do it for episode two here of The Shakedown. You guys can follow this podcast on Twitter at Shakedown underscore pod. You can also follow it on Instagram at Shakedown underscore pod. I do appreciate the support on social media. Help this show grow. Uh, It's been fun so far. I really am enjoying myself doing this. I hope you guys are enjoying the content as well. And speaking of content, going to have a YouTube channel up very soon where I'll be posting segments of the podcast up there there'll be a visual element there and hoping to do some other fun things on youtube as well so i'll let you guys know when that is uh being 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 launched you guys could also check me out on twitter at mv bachman that's m v b a c h m a double n on twitter if you want to continue to the conversation over there talk motorsports whatever's on your mind uh do that over there on twitter but i'll be back on uh, tuesday To recap the race at New Hampshire, I can assure you that the playoff bubble is going to look different than it does today. Um, That's been the storylines the past couple of weeks, so we'll see how that looks, what the biggest storylines are, and we will look ahead to the week. So enjoy the weekend, enjoy the race, should be a good one, and uh, that's going to do it for me. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, We will see you next week. Enjoy the weekend, enjoy the race. (laughs) 